0: it's good to be a christian the day after christmas because our celebration is not strictly secular and so we continue on this day to hope we continue on this day to walk in peace and in love because our messiah is born and our messiah lives and our messiah is here As Elizabeth was singing on our knees we fall we have a story this morning from Scripture about a group of people and on their knees they fell and the story is from Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 and the the sermon the title of the sermon is three reactions to Jesus and this is taken from theologian John Stott he wrote about the three reactions to Jesus So here we have the three reactions to Jesus in this scripture. I'm not gonna tell you what they are until I preach on them, but perhaps as we read this story, you've read probably dozens of times, maybe you can pick out for yourself what the three reactions are, and perhaps they're different than what I'll preach on. And so during coffee hour, you can tell me, wait, you miss this reaction or that reaction so so here we have it. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod Magi from the East came to Jerusalem and asked where's the one who has been born King of the Jews We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. My biblical notes uh, said, LOL. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place, by another route. A few years ago, we visited Yosemite National Park in California. And if you haven't been to Yosemite National Park, I would highly recommend it. One night my cousin and I decided that we were going to go out and lay under the stars, living on the East Coast, I was struck by the sheer magnitude of stars. And as we looked up at the stars, we peered up and saw a light. It was bright and dazzling. And I turned to my cousin and said, all right, I'm going to tell you what I said, and don't judge me. I said, I think it's a UFO. In my my manuscript, I wrote airplane or helicopter, but I said, I think it's a UFO. My cousin took much delight in pointing out to me that I was wrong. He said that it was a planet and it was hanging in the night sky brighter than what I could imagine. I had forgotten how bright and beautiful the night sky can be. The Magi, the ones who journeyed to Jerusalem, never forgot the beauty and brightness of the night sky. They dedicated their lives to studying the movement of stars and planets. And, and here's what they believed, and many ancient people, not just the Magi, had this belief. If something remarkable was to happen on earth, it would be reflected in the stars and the planets. And if something remarkable happened in the stars and the planets, they knew that something remarkable had happened on the earth. Matthew begins his Christmas story with the story of the Magi, the ones that we call the wise men or the three kings from orient far. And today we're going to learn what made the magi so wise. After the birth of Christ, the magi arrived in Jerusalem with a simple question. A loaded question. A question that was threatening to some. Where has the king of the Jews been born? And this question elicits three very different reactions to Jesus as king. And here's the interesting part. This is not just a story of three different reactions to Jesus as king that happened 2,000 years ago. This is a story about how we today respond to Jesus as king. And you may find these three different reactions throughout society, throughout the world... But if you're really honest with yourself and you want to do some self-reflection, maybe you'll find that you have these three reactions to Jesus as king. The first response to Jesus as king is represented by King Herod. Matthew tells us that Jesus was born during the reign of King Herod and the announcement that one has been born king of the Jews, right? This is different than the way Herod became king of the Jews. You may know how Herod became the king of the Jews. If you know how basically anyone became king in the ancient world, you know the story of how Herod became king of the Jews. He took the throne, usurped the throne through violent force with the backing of Rome. He wasn't born king of the Jews. He was born an Edomite. He was not in the line of David. And so though Herod... Was called king. Herod was a false king, not a true king. And so when Herod hears that someone was born king, they were born king. They weren't made king by man, born king, anointed and appointed by God. He was troubled, agitated, disturbed. You may know this expression. If you're a married man, you ought to know this expression. Happy wife. Happy. Let me hear the married men say it. That's a good thing for you to remember, gentlemen, as you enter the new year. But I have a new expression for you this morning. Disturbed king, disturbed people. And the reason is when King Herod felt disturbed, he went on killing sprees. Right? We know what our political leaders do when they feel disturbed. But think about King Herod in that day. He was disturbed and he had the authority and the power to kill people. And you'll see it in this same chapter, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. He carried out a plan that he had devised to kill. All the, all the babies born in Bethlehem under the age of two, here's the first response to Jesus as king. John Stott says, Jesus hated and killed. I'm going to soften it for you a little bit because we're Presbyterians. The first response to Jesus as king is disturbed and opposed. Disturbed and opposed, hated and killed, is still happening today. And I know it's not in the news. But disturbed and opposed, hated and killed, is happening all around the world to our Christians, brothers and sisters. And this is not hyperbole. This is not preaching dramatics. If your heart broke when you heard the story in Matthew 2.16 of the plan that he devised to kill the children under the age of two, your heart will also break for our Christian brothers and sisters in India, in Africa, throughout parts of Asia who are actively persecuted. Christian persecution around the world is one of the biggest human rights issues of this era and an issue that we've ceased to talk about. One bishop in Iraq said this as his people were being slaughtered by ISIS. Our people, our brothers and our sisters. He said that the church in the West is comfortable. And because we're comfortable, we ignore the church that is in conflict, which is much of the church. This is Christian brothers and sisters being opposed, hated and killed in the United States. You know people who the whole idea of religion just disturbs them. It's like they make it their mission intellectually to disprove those who believe in God. And the news that we are sinners and in need of a savior. That they need Jesus as Lord and Master. That is an offensive message. And a a message that they hope to keep out of The public arena. And you say, Pastor, this category doesn't relate to me, disturbed and opposed. I'm I'm in church. Not only am I in church on Christmas Eve, I'm in church two days after Christmas. I'm a real Christian. I'm not an atheist and I don't belong to ISIS. Can't relate to Herod's reaction. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh opposes what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, desires. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit opposes what the flesh desires. For they are in opposition to one another. Think about it this way in terms of being disturbed and opposed to Christ. What if There's certain areas in your thought life, certain words that you speak, and certain behaviors that you have adopted that are in opposition to Jesus Christ, that the way that you live your life in, in specific areas is opposed to Christ. And we don't want to bring those areas to Christ because then we might be disturbed perhaps Christ would disturb us. What if we have relationships with people and things that are against what Christ the King desires for our lives? We refuse to submit to certain commands. We call them, well, we don't call them this, but we treat them like this. Jesus's commands are really suggestions, right? We love to gossip. We're quick to judge. We refuse to submit our words to Jesus. We know what God desires, but we... Oppose it. We attempt to knock King Jesus off his throne. And in that way, we oppose Jesus as King. The second response we see to Jesus as King in this scripture passage is indifference. Mark 12, verses 28 through 30. One of the teachers, you know, you know this story. If you've spent any time in church. If you've even cracked your Bible once or twice, you probably know this story. You know what Jesus said, because almost everyone knows this one. Mark 12, 28 through 30. One of the teachers of the law came and heard Jesus and the religious leaders debating. And this this particular teacher of the law had a great question for Jesus. And here was his question. Of all the commandments... Which is the most important? What's the greatest, Jesus? Jesus answered, the most important one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment. What's the opposite of love? When you think of the opposite of love, love being one extreme, what's on the other extreme? I believe on our paradigm, we would say hate, right? Hate's the opposite of love. I'll never forget what I heard one Christian speaker say at a conference. He said hate's not the opposite of love. He said indifference is the opposite of love because when you're indifferent, you don't care at all. You don't care one way or the other. Indifference means you're uninterested. We don't think about them. We don't engage with them. We push them entirely to the side. And here it it is, indifference, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Here are the indifferent people. This is going to surprise you. This ought to surprise you. Surprise you because this is the one group that we would think is not indifferent. Verse 4 When Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, In Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. And they cite Micah 5 2. So here's what's happening in Scripture. The priests, the teachers of the law, they open up their Bibles and they find the right answer. They know right where to find the right answers in the scriptures. So here's a group of people that know the Scriptures, that have knowledge of God. They answer from the Old Testament. They believe their Bibles. They know their Bibles. Yet... In their knowledge of God, they are a people who refuse to seek out God. They're all head knowledge and no heart. Jesus says in Matthew 18, you honor me. You honor God with your lips, but your hearts are far from him. These are the religious insiders. They're indifferent. They know that the, the, ki- the one born, the king of the Jews, was born five miles from them. And they make no effort to seek him out. They don't pray about it. They don't ask God, did I miss it? They do nothing. They don't care. They're indifferent. In our country, our county, I think most of us grew up with grandparents, parents. Maybe even our, ourselves, we, we grew up attending church. Most of us would probably say that we believed the basic message of Christianity. We may have even memorized a few Bible verses. Yet, for many of us, we push our relationship with God off to the side. We're too busy to make Christ a concern. This may sound strange for a pastor to say from the pulpit, but there's a particular bumper sticker that disturbs me. It's not the bumper sticker that you think I'm thinking about. This is is the one that has kind of always disturbed me, especially when I became a practicing Christian. Keep Christ in Christmas. And I always thought that that bumper sticker was aimed at secularized Christians, people who celebrate Christmas but don't celebrate Christ, so therefore aren't really celebrating the holy day or the holiday, right? And I thought, what a bad way to kind of engage someone with the message of the gospel. It's really good news. Maybe we shouldn't be pointing fingers. But you know why I think it disturbed me? Because I was the one who needed to be reminded to keep Christ in Christmas. Because during Christmas, and this might be the same for you, it's really easy for us to become full-time hosts, full-time decorators, full-time cooks, full-time gift wrappers and shoppers. I have to think about myself as the religious leader, responding to the news of the king with indifference. You ready for some good news? All right, my mom said yes. She's always right, so we'll, I'll preach to you, Mom. Here's some good news. The last group of people that we're going to talk about today, they get it right. They do it differently. They're, they're not like the, those in power or, or even the religious insiders or the rest of Jerusalem. The last group we're going to talk about are the famous magi. And they came from the east seeking to worship the one born, the, the king of the Jews. And they were from Persia, which was about 900 miles away. And you'd say, that's not that bad of a flight. The problem is that there were no planes, no helicopters, nor, I don't even think there was any UFOs. They saw, really saw a star. They traveled through the desert 900 miles The Magi were influential people. I know that your job's really important, but they often served in the king's court. They left their jobs, they left their families, they left their homes to journey for months and months on end. And it was a dangerous journey. And they went out seeking Christ to worship the king of the Jews. And they had no air conditioners, no hotels, no rest stops. It was a difficult trip to a difficult land. And they went to incredible lengths to worship the king. You know how we call them wise men? You know what made them so wise in my my eyes? You wanna be wise? The wise men were wise because they were teachable. They were humble. They were people of influence, people that other people stopped to listen to, yet they were humble and teachable. Their reasoning, their research, their studies, that star took them as far as Jerusalem. Yet they needed a little bit more help to get to Bethlehem to find the king. And they were willing to ask anyone for help, for information, for the knowledge they needed to find the king. And they were willing to trust in a wisdom that was greater than their own. To go beyond the realm of science and into the realm of God's word. Into the realm of faith. And they asked And they hear that he was born in Bethlehem. And then they do what many would see as puzzling, perhaps even unproductive, they bow down. They worship the king, those who had come so far away. They bow down and they worship the king and then they offer their gifts to the king. I know that some of you got some really great gifts. So imagine this, you got your great gifts, and instead of coming to church this morning empty-handed, if you brought all your gifts to church this morning to present to the king, that's what they do. They take that which is most valuable to them, possessions, things of great worth, and they present it to the king. And the gifts speak of who Jesus is. And the first gift is gold. Gold was a gift for a king. It was a royal gift. The second gift is the gift of frankincense. Frankincense was the gift for a priest. It reflected that Jesus is mediator between God and man. They gave the gift of myrrh. Myrrh was a burial spice to embalm the dead, foreshadowing Jesus, the king, becoming the suffering servant, the high priest, the one who would save us by taking away our sins on the cross. And this is the third reaction to Jesus. Worship. Carve out times in your day to meet with him personally. Seek him out to worship him. Pastor Liz said during her announcements that there are things before us this year, before you, before us as a church, that are beyond our capacity to do without God. She used the word inadequate. That we may feel inadequate. And that's okay. We can be inadequate because God is adequate. We don't have to be perfect because God is perfect. What if you were willing to offer your gifts of time, talent, and treasure this year as you worship God? Just as the gifts that they offered to Jesus, the king on that, they spoke to who Jesus is. That's what we want as Christians, that we would offer our gifts and they would speak to the world about who Jesus is, King, Priest, Servant, and Resurrected Savior. So what would it look like for you this week and in 2022 to react to Jesus as the Magi reacted and to truly make Him your King? That's a question for you to pray about. It's a question for you to ponder as you drive home. It's a question that perhaps we ought to answer together in our our community with those we, we follow God with. How do we react to Jesus as the Magi reacted and make him our king? So let us pray. Lord, on this day, we fall down and bow down and worship you as king. You are our King, and it is an honor to give you thanks and praise. Gracious and loving King, we thank you that your reign is loving and merciful, that your goodness and your mercy follow us all the days of our lives. You have been so good to us. So Lord, the the things that you have given us to do, we pray that we would take a hold of them, The, the call to be worshipers of God, nothing higher nor holier, are better than that, we pray that we would be your worshipers as we enter this week and this year. We pray that your kingship, your lordship would be over every area of our lives and that in offering ourselves to you, our king, that our lives would speak of who you are. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.